As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus is on the move. And he set his face toward Jerusalem and the cross is foremost in his vision. There is no doubt about his purpose. And it is going to be to go to Calvary so that salvation may become the gift of God to the whole world. I want this morning to think about the way in which he gets there, how he gets there. And as I've been reflecting on these passages and that whole journey through Holy Week, two words stand out for me. The words of courage and trust. And as I look at the cross we think of the way in which Christ expressed complete trust in God. It was an upward direction of looking to God. He knew the Father, the Father knew him and loved him, and he loved the Father, and he could trust completely that sense of whatever he did, whatever lay ahead, he could trust the Father. His courage, though, was his direction of travel, the way that he moved from A to B, from the place of insecurity, the place of fear, that traveled because of that trust in God, through courage, he was able to persevere and accomplish his mission. And for us, too, as we think about our journey with God, there are those, both those two dimensions of trust in God and his trust in us and also our courage that comes as a gift from God to enable us to move into the things he has for us. It's a bit like walking, it seems to me. You put, I can't walk very far on this, otherwise I might be in danger. But if I were to take one step forward of trust, I can't get any much further, really, if, unless I take an exercise, a, a step of Courage as well. Courage and trust go together. And we walk with Christ. Courage and trust working together like a left foot and a right foot. Moving purposefully toward our goal and God's calling to us. We see this combination of courage and trust right through scriptures. You think of Joshua's call or command from God. Both were there. Have I not commanded you, said the Lord in Joshua 1 verse 9, be strong. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take courage, Joshua. I trust you. Have I not commanded you? I trust you to take these people into the promised land. And he could be sure of God's trust in him because he said, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And for Joshua, he was able to believe that. In his heart of hearts, he could trust no matter what he faced. And he faced much. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is the translation of that word Joshua, Yeshua. And his mission, echoing that of Joshua, only writ large. Jesus' journey was not just to take God's people, the Hebrews, into the promised land physically, but also, and far more than that, to take people all over the world into a place where they could enter into God's promises. And it was through the cross. So the basis of courage is trust, and trust is vital to enable courage to move us forward into what God has for us. Jesus wanted to teach this principle to his disciples over and over again. He did it in all sorts of ways, sometimes very scary ways. Do you remember that time when the disciples were straining at the oars, recording in Mark 6, for example? They were really, because the wind had got up, the storm was coming, and then they saw this figure looking and coming to them on the water. They were terrified, and they thought it was a ghost. Mark records what happens. He was about to pass them by. And when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, but they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. Take courage. This is my gift to you. My friends, take this gift of courage. What's the next word? It is I. It is I. I am with you in this storm. I am with you. Do not be afraid, said Jesus. So Jesus created these opportunities. He even did it on Palm Sunday giving the disciples an opportunity to learn to live a life of trust and courage. Isn't it interesting that the reading that we had at the beginning of our service from Mark chapter 11 uh, tells very little of uh, the actual entry into Jerusalem. What it's far more interested in, it seems, Mark is, are the details of getting this donkey ready. I think, why is Mark emphasizing so much? And one of the things that we can note from this is how he enables the disciples to learn this principle. If you remember, they approached Jerusalem, came to Bethpage, Bethany, Mount of Olives, sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Just nick it, really. Just untie it and bring it to me, you know. And the thing is, if anybody sees you, just tell them this. The master said he needs it. I'm thinking, he'd ask me to do that. (laughs) Jesus, are you serious? You can't be serious. But it, it required them to, A, trust that just as Jesus had told them to do some crazy things before and it worked out okay, 
mostly. Um, so if Jesus had commanded it, just as he commanded Joshua, they better get on and do it. And because they knew him well enough by now that they trusted him, they did do it. And courage, the gift of courage followed, and off they went. As they went, so they must have received the courage to do it. And to face this guy who comes, all these people who are around, not just one guy with a big stick or whatever he would have had in those days, a number of people confronted them. So what are you doing untying this colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them to do. Fear didn't overtake them, and they didn't panic and said, oh, and they ran off. But they answered, as Jesus had told them to do. And the people let them go. So they must have reflected on this and thinking, gosh, I can actually take these steps of courage and trust into every aspect of life because Jesus is telling me these things. The word of God can be trusted and we can have confidence to end, to be full of courage. And indeed, we receive so much courage from other people too when others encourage us. They put courage into us. And that's the fantastic thing about being part of a family who together trusts God and together will encourage one another, spur one another on to faith and good works, as it says in the book. So this sense of Jesus teaching his disciples, enabling them to exercise trust and courage, to build it up, is very much what we're about as a church. We're learning to live this life, the life that Jesus showed us to live. We're learning to live it. And he gives us opportunities to trust. When I look back over the last years, really, I think that the Building for Life project has been one of those opportunities. I can't think of anything more important that we've done in terms of the, the building and the development of the building um, that requires such courage and trust. We've had to face this project, and Maggie's been at the forefront of it, and she's learned a great deal about courage and trust. Haven't you, Maggie? <laughs> yeah. In, in, even in this week, yeah. Are we going to have enough money? Is the cash flow going to go through? You know, are, are the things that are in the plans going to actually deliver what we're looking for? When we find out that there aren't enough bricks underneath the pillars that hold the balconies up, oh, what are we going to do now? So many areas we have had exercised trust, but courageously go forward with this. This is a time that God is teaching us to trust and teaching us to move forward with him step by step, courageously. I think of those of you who have given sacrificially, given in a way that costs you. That has taken courage. Courage to think, actually, I'm going to take a big step of faith here. I'm going to move out of what I'm comfortable with and give in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable so that I may rely more fully on God and trust him to provide what I don't have. 
Courage and trust working together in all our giving, whether it's a building project or whether it's for the general mission of the church, whatever it might be. Giving generously requires that we've learned that lesson of trust and courage working together. Learning to live a life courageously is something that Christians have prayed for down the centuries. One of the old hymns that we don't sadly sing very much here at 10.30, but I love it. I think Anita could write a, write a song for it. Father, hear the prayer we offer. Not for ease that prayer shall be, but for strength that we may ever live our lives courageously. Tremendous prayer. Not for ease. I don't want an easy life, Lord. I just want to be able to live courageously. Give me the strength that I may do that. If we've learned to live our lives courageously, we can face anything that life throws at us, even face our death courageously. Yesterday, Sean and I went to see a very dear friend who used to be in, uh, in Gorsainen in Wales, where I was first curate. He was a training incumbent. Saunders Davis, who is now just over 80 and in his last days. We were in Swansea there with him in hospital, singing songs, thine be the glory, risen conquering son. We prayed this great blessing on Sean and me. And I prayed a great blessing on him. We could do so because we, we had that total trust that God was trustworthy to take him through the suffering and death that he would soon encounter and bring him to a place that Jesus spoke of to his disciples. That he was going ahead to prepare a place for them. Prepare a place for all those who will trust in God. Trust also in me, said Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, but trust and courageously face your death. Face the suffering that lies ahead, because I'm with you. All these things come down to that spirit. Jesus himself faced his own death with that same courage and trust. And do you remember the last words that he spoke of? He spoke as he died. And I'm going to be reflecting on this more on Good Friday afternoon. Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. I commend, I surrender my spirit into your hands. No greater act of trust, no greater act of courage that we can see ever in life. We know that those words would have been on his lips right from his mother's knee because they were words from the Jewish prayer book that Jews would have said the very last thing at night before going to sleep. They're from Psalm 31. Into your hands I entrust my spirit. And we may not know what tomorrow brings, but we can know the God who is with us in those things. We are know, we know that we're not going to be spared from suffering. We know that things will happen to us. We think, what's going on here, Lord? We might lose a child. We might contract debilitating illness. We might have our character maligned on 
Facebook unjustly. We might lose our job. We might become homeless. Who knows? We can feel deeply betrayed by others, but mostly by God, because why has God let this happen to us? And we have then a choice between being bitter and resentful, or we can say with far greater reason than Job, though he may slay me, yet will I trust him. Let me conclude with some words that my daughter printed out and uh, gave me in this frame. They're words by contemporary Christian artist Lauren Daigle. And in a moment, Susie's going to sing. No, are you going to sing it? We don't know. Either Anita or Susie's going to sing it. They're still thinking about it. So these are some of the words. Letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wondering never changes what you see. I've tried to win this war. I confess my hands are weary and I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you're there by my side. Trust in God. And here's the nub of the song, the chorus refrain that comes back time and again. And I haven't heard this before, like this. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers that I cry out to you, I will trust. I will trust in you. That's trust and courage in the face of things that don't work out. Truth is that you know what tomorrow brings, and there's not a day ahead you have not seen. So in all things, may my life and breath I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less. Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane expressed that. Lord, I just want what you want. I want to be a person who will take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Those who are being baptized this evening will declare that in their own story, showing courage and trust. And the sign of the cross at our baptisms made on our forehead, the sign of the cross made in ash on Ash Wednesday on our forehead, remind us of these two directions of trust in God and courage to live the life that follows Christ. His example takes us through the cross and into glory. So let's be still for a moment as we hear that song sung to us. We're not going to sing it together. I just invite you to maybe close your eyes. And this is going to be our prayer. This is not a performance song. This is just a time for us to pray using these words to the Lord who entrusts us with our lives.